All right, let's go. So we are in a new series called Next Door. And we're going to do some work over the next three weeks looking specifically at evangelism, but also hospitality and really looking at what the mission of the local church is. Now, if we're just honest, in our kind of cultural moment today, evangelism is stranger than it used to be. All the introverts in the room are like, it's always been strange to me, <laughs> right? But it has, it has become stranger than it used to be because our cultural conversations and some of the values that are core to our culture have changed so dramatically. So we have less in common with our average neighbor or coworker or friend when it comes to just our worldview and our outlook on life and our understanding of the purpose of life and values that we hold. Theologians and commentators call this a post-Christian culture. A post-Christian culture means that the majority of our neighbors, the majority of people that we brush shoulders with week in and week out, are unfamiliar largely with the Christian message. And they live with an entirely different set of questions and answers to how they go and navigate life. Now, that changes what we, the work that we should be doing and have to do in our approach to understanding how to then communicate the gospel. How do we communicate the never-changing gospel, good news of Jesus, into an ever-changing culture? Especially with Christians being kind of outside the inside. As we feel a strangeness, right? That we're now kind of strangers to the culture that we live in. I saw a recent survey um, just kind of of Canada. It was done by StatCan. And it showed that the average Canadian actually sees the Christian church as irrelevant at best and dangerous at worst. Now, that's, that changes the conversation. Are you with me on that? That changes how much thought we need to give to what it actually means to take the gospel that doesn't change and actually communicate it in a way that we understand some of the changes that are taking place. So these shifts in culture really force us to reevaluate our Christian identity and our relationship to our culture. But it also forces us to kind of reimagine what it looks like to exist and, and, and live well and live faithfully in our post-Christian Canadian society. So when it comes to topics like evangelism, you just kind of feel like the discomfort of it. Uh, I think many of us are probably uncomfortable with evangelism and just sharing the gospel, particularly in how it intersects with some of the hot-button cultural topics of our day. Whether that's politics, whether that's moral issues like abortion, whether it's topics like racial and social justice, or our cultural conversation on sexuality and identity and gender. Evangelism feels a bit more uncomfortable when we see the interaction with some of these cultural topics. So... What do we do? Well, we could give up and just be like, well, let's just go over here, right? Let's just go sit over here and not do very much of anything. Uh, we could give in and just be like, well, that's not something that we should be doing anyway, so let's just kind of do our thing. Or you'll see my bias right now. I'll show you my cards. We need to be more thoughtful about creative and innovative ways to speak about and model the good news of Jesus. So that's what this series is going to do. We're going to look at several verses throughout scripture and throughout the redemptive story of the Bible. And then specifically over the next two weeks, we're going to look at Jesus and the early church and how they understood evangelism and how they practiced it. So we're going to start today. We're going to jump into the series looking 
not at approaches of evangelism. So I'm not going to give you like seven tips of how to evangelize well. I probably will never do that. But I'm definitely not going to do that today. What we're going to do, though, is we're going to look specifically today at the most effective and common posture for evangelism that we see throughout Scripture. And that's the key word, hospitality. Hospitality. Now, some of us, when we think about hospitality, you hear the word hospitality, you might think about the hospitality industry. Think about hotels or or, or restaurants. Uh, Some of us just, like, picture Martha Stewart immediately. Anyone? But, like, pre-Snoop Dogg Martha Stewart... If you know, you know. If you don't, don't worry about it. Pre-jail Martha Stewart, right? We think about hospitality like Martha Stewart with an apron and and baking really great baked goods, which I I would argue probably has to be a part of it. Or we just think about like an elaborate dinner party for guests with fine food and just all of the accoutrement for our guests, right? Now, hospitality can involve some of those things for sure, but the biblical notion of hospitality is far, I would say, richer and bigger than that. The Greek word that we find most used for hospitality in the New Testament is actually a compound word between love and stranger. It's love of stranger. To have a hospitable posture is to be aware of and have love towards those who are unfamiliar to us. That's what hospitality means. Hospitality is to welcome and receive strangers without any immediate gain or reward. Uh, The Latin term hospice, where we get hospice in English and hospital, also comes from that key meaning of hospitality, where it's a welcoming of strangers. It's taking someone who is outside and welcoming them into a safe space inside. That that's a posture of hospitality. So here's my best attempt to define hospitality. Biblical hospitality is anything we do or say that makes a stranger feel heard, known, and welcomed. That'll be my attempt to try to just summarize all 66 books of our Bible with a definition of biblical hospitality. Biblical hospitality is the creation of a space where strangers can be converted to friends. Where, where outsiders are treated as insiders, where the unheard become heard, where the unknown become known and named because they are recognized and they belong. Are you with me on that? So you see how that's a little different than Martha Stewart? Right? It's a little richer, right? There's something more to it than just entertaining our friends. That's not what we see with biblical hospitality. And throughout scripture, hospitality actually is at the core of the story of redemption. And it's easy to miss, so I'm just going to rapid fire hit you with several verses. But, is that me? It's not me. It is me? Might be me. Okay, sorry if it's me. Hospitality is at the the core of the story of redemption throughout scripture. Because the entire good news of the gospel is wrapped up in the reality that The Christian message is nothing short of God extending hospitality to strangers and sinners. Amen? That that, that, that he is the host. That we don't belong, yet we're invited in as guests to experience the generosity of his grace. That God himself is the one who embodies hospitality. And once we see a few verses here, you won't be able to unsee it anymore. So I'm going to ruin you this morning, okay? 
But throughout scripture, God's heart is always for the stranger and the outsider. Now here's our temptation. We go in and we read certain passages and we're the hero of the story. We're the insiders. So we read passages about how Jesus treats certain people throughout the gospels. We'll look at that next week. And we think, well, I'm the one at the table killing it for Jesus. But listen, we're not the hero of the story. We're not the insider. We're the strangers and the wanderers and the outsiders who have been welcomed in to experience the generosity of God as host. That's the gospel. Here's a couple examples from the Old Testament. Leviticus chapter 19, which is one of my favorite chapters in all of scripture. Watch these verses, 33 and 34. When a stranger or an alien, some of our translations will say, sojourns with you in your land, comes with you, you shall not do him wrong. You shall treat the stranger, the outsider, the foreigner, who journeys with you as the native among you. And you shall love him as yourself, for here's the why. For you were strangers in the land of Egypt. I am the Lord your God. One quick other example, stressing the same thing. Deuteronomy 10, verse 17 through 19. Watch this. For the Lord your God is God of gods and Lord of lords, the great, the mighty, and the awesome God who is not partial and takes no bribe. What do you think is following this? What characteristic trait of God do you think comes after this? Watch this. He executes justice for the fatherless and the widow, and he loves the sojourner, the outsider, giving him food and clothing. So love the sojourner. Therefore, for you were sojourners in the land of Egypt. Notice the why. Notice what God is doing here to backfill our show of hospitality to others. He's giving them the why because we are outsiders. We are strangers to the grace of God. And that now we are guests experiencing God's generous grace and care. So anytime you see kind of foreigner or outsider or alien or stranger, all of those words are wrapped up right here to just communicate someone who is outside the inside. In the New Testament, we see the same thing happen where hospitality is actually core to Jesus' entire message. It's core to what he says and it's also core to what he does. That the gospel is God inviting sinners and strangers to experience his grace, forgiveness, and love through the work of his son, Jesus Christ. That's the gospel. And we see hospitality at the core of this. Watch Ephesians 2. It's kind of a summary of this. Verse 12 through 14. I told you we're going to do a lot of scripture, okay? We're moving fast and then we'll apply some things. Apostle Paul says, Remember that you were at that time, at one time, in the past, you were separated from Christ. You were alienated from the commonwealth, the community of Israel, and you were strangers to the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. But now, here's the good news. In Christ Jesus, you who were once far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. For he himself is our shalom, our peace, who has made us both one and has broken down in his flesh the dividing walls, any barriers between being outside and inside are broken down by the work of Christ. And fast forward, verse 19, Paul sums it up here and says, so then, because of this, you are no longer strangers and aliens. Is that good news? 
You are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and members of God's household. Now that is a mouthful. Paul, right here, the high point of his letter to the Ephesians happens right here in this chapter. The entire point is he is saying we were disconnected. We were excluded. We were outsiders, but in Christ Jesus, we aren't anymore. And that's the good news of the gospel that we get to experience the shalom, the peace of God through Christ, the hospitality of God towards us. Now, in the Old Testament, shalom, the idea of peace, sometimes if you drive like anywhere Bathurst, you'll see Shabbat shalom, right? On, on Saturday for Sabbath. But shalom isn't just like peace, okay? Shalom is, is, is bigger than that. It's, it's holistic. It's an understanding of, yes, it's a lack of conflict and there's a, a peacefulness, but it's actually life to the full. It's a wholeness, a settledness. It's a, a physical and emotional and relational well-being. That's what Shalom gets at. And it's nothing short of an extension of the hospitality of God. That the gospel takes outsiders, wanderers, strangers, and brings them home. And if you notice, Paul stresses here, he says that you're becoming like a part, like you're a citizen now of a people. But notice he also says, but you also belong to the household of God. Now, now that's a big deal. We don't just get to get invited into experiencing the hospitality of God to become servants or slaves or, or part of a, a citizenship like the Roman Empire, but we actually get invited in as family. And we're going to see that next week as we look at Jesus' approach to evangelism. But this is what the gospel does. That we become family, that we are resident aliens, that we are strangers in the world that we live in, but yet we are still, we are members of the household of God. Now that should be the fuel, the why, behind how we go and approach anyone else who has not yet responded to the grace of God and the gospel. That God's people are supposed to acknowledge that we're resident aliens, that we're strangers. But that that should be how we embody and extend hospitality to strangers who are not yet brought home. Now, there's a few other New Testament verses that kind of hit this very, very quickly and strongly. And I just want you to see that hospitality isn't like, Evangelism and hospitality together aren't just kind of like for super saints who are like killing it for Jesus and everybody else just gets to be like, well, it's not really in my wheelhouse, right? Or introverts, I feel you, right? This is, this is not kind of like, it's like, I don't, uh, mm, right? But we don't get to just kind of get a pass on like, well, evangelism is for the people who like really get to do it and, and hospitality is for those who like really like live crazy and radical for Jesus. Watch the New Testament, a few verses where hospitality is actually not only expected, but commanded. Uh-oh, we're going there, right? It's commanded of God's people as a concrete expression of love. Watch this, Romans 12, 10 through 13. Paul says, let love be genuine. Abhor what is evil. Hold fast to what is good. Love one another with brotherly affection. How do we do that? Well, we just say, I love you. Eh, watch. Outdo one another in showing honor. Do not be slothful with passion or zeal. Be fervent in spirit. Serve the Lord. Rejoice in hope. Be patient in tribulation. Be constant in prayer. And watch this. Contribute to the needs of the saints and seek to show hospitality. 
I love Paul's verses there because he writes like I preach, so I feel like I'm at home, right? He's just rapid fire, showing us the outworking of the concrete expression of God's love. And he ends with the anchor of show hospitality. 1 Peter 4, 8 through 10. Two more examples, promise. Above all, above all, keep loving one another earnestly since love covers a multitude of sins. Show hospitality to one another without grumbling. That's convicting, right? How many times have we shown hospitality and then we're like, they didn't even bring the dishes to the kitchen. (laughs) No, no, no. We got to show hospitality without grumbling as each has received a gift, use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's grace. I love that. And then last, Hebrews 13, this one is wild. Let brotherly love continue. Do not neglect, some of us neglect this, do not neglect to show hospitality to strangers, for thereby some have entertained angels unawares. First of all, I have no idea what that means but it's amazing. Second of all, I love the word unawares. But this is probably in Hebrews 13, a throwback to Abraham when he hosted and showed hospitality to three guests and they ended up being messengers from heaven. That's wild. We'll move on, but this doesn't even include hospitality being listed for the requirement of being an elder and a leader in the church. How many times have we heard of a pastor being fired for not showing hospitality and living generously open towards strangers. I've heard of zero. But it is a requirement for leadership in the church to be hospitable, to have a posture of hospitality towards strangers and outsiders. So, Springville, without a question, hospitality is a trademark of the biblical story of redemption and also a trademark of the early church. You read historian after historian and they will show you that one of the main reasons why the gospel spread from a little ragtag group of people who believe that Jesus rose from the dead to literally taking over the Roman Empire, it's because of their countercultural display of hospitality. That just obliterated divisions of socioeconomic brackets and ethnic differences, and class differences. It obliterated the categories that culture set up for the haves and the have-nots because they simply moved outwards to show strangers and outsiders love everywhere they were. That's what we see. Uh, Rodney Stark, in his book, Rise of Christianity, said this, to cities filled with the homeless and the poor, Christianity offered charity, as well as hope. To cities filled with newcomers and strangers, Christianity offered an immediate basis for attachment. To cities filled with orphans and widows, Christianity provided a new and expanded sense of family. To cities torn by violent ethnic strife, Christianity offered a new basis for social solidarity. You can't ignore it. It's all over the place. The church's display of hospitality is key to the mission that the church is on because it's an overflow of the hospitality that they have received in Christ Jesus. That's what hospitality is. So the church's mission has not changed, amen? Our our mission has not changed. 
The church's mission today in our strange culture should still be that we are to posture ourselves in such a way that we show hospitality to those outside of the church so that one day they will see a place for themselves inside the church. Amen? Yeah. That they actually belong. That we are inviting those who are outside of the experience of God's grace inside because they belong. And that's coming from a bunch of people who know that they don't belong, but we're here by God's grace. That's hospitality. And I think belonging is the key word here when we understand hospitality. When we talk about hospitality, we're really talking about belonging. Now, belonging is just a universal human need. We all define ourselves by who we see ourselves fitting in with. That's what belonging does. We all desire to be known and, and recognized, understood, and accepted. That's what belonging does. I read one study by the Fuller Institute about just the cultural changes we're seeing, and they said that belonging is one of the great spiritual hungers of our day. And that we're actually marked, we're a society marked by loneliness and disconnection, but a appetite for belonging. And I think we're starting to feel that today, right? Feel the disconnect of our digital connectivity. We're more connected than ever, like by far, yet we're the loneliest we've ever been. And we're starting to feel the rub of that. Christian hospitality shows up and meets that head on. Christian hospitality shows up as an antidote to loneliness, as an antidote for disconnection, as we move towards people who are outside to show them that they belong by God's grace. Uh, my favorite book on this is by a scholar called Christine Pohl. Um, it's a book called Making Room, if you want to dig in more to this. She actually just passed away last week after decades of serving the Lord as a Bible scholar and teacher. And she said that people are hungry for welcome, but most Christians have lost track of the heritage of hospitality. And she goes on to say that people view hospitality as kind of like a quaint, like cute, tame thing, but that she actually defines it as very countercultural, that it's actually countercultural, it's missional, that there's something actually almost, almost like aggressive about hospitality as we, as we model it to the world. Henry Nowen wrote a book called Reaching Out. It'll be up here for you. Here's what he says to sum this up, and then we'll apply a couple things. It is obligatory, needed, for Christians to offer an open and hospitable space where strangers can cast off their strangeness and become our fellow human beings. Hospitality means primarily the creation of free space where the stranger can enter and become a friend instead of an enemy. Hospitality is not to change people, but to offer them space where change can take place. This is what the mission of the church looks like when we're focused. And this is why I think that hospitality is even more needed today, because we have lost a bit of the heritage of Christian hospitality. And this is also why I think that hospitality practiced well and prioritized in our lives is the antidote to some of the loneliness that we see in our culture today. So what does this look like for us? Well, we'll start to apply it today, and then over the next couple of weeks, we'll start to see how this affects how we live, but also what we say and how we approach evangelism. But I think what this looks like is that we would show hospitality 
by anything that we do or say that would accommodate strangers. So I don't just want you to think about inviting people into your homes. It is that, and we'll get to that. But it's more than that. It's anywhere we find ourselves that we would posture ourselves as hosts. Are you with me on that? That we would go through life everywhere we find ourselves, whether we're in, during our commute or we're at school or work or we're walking our dog, all of the things that we find ourselves doing that we would assume the posture of host. That's nothing short of just loving neighbor, right? Just loving neighbor. That we would go through all of our life and seek to identify strangers everywhere we find ourselves and invite them in to make them feel at home. That we would acknowledge and accommodate and show them that they belong. That's biblical hospitality. Now, by definition, strangers are unfamiliar to us, right? But strangers, if you look at the definition, is really just people without a place. But I think we can get kind of wrapped up about strangers and thinking about place because we need to think about people being kind of disconnected or alienated in other ways too, not just physical space. There's relational strangeness that people feel, that they're alienated from healthy relationships. There's financial and socioeconomic displacement that people feel. There's all sorts of other social and cultural displacement that people feel. What would it look like if we started to identify, be aware of some of those ways that we would go through our lives and identify strangers and, and act as a host to show them that they belong, to care for their needs, to show them that they're known and, and recognized and accommodate them. I think that's what, that's what biblical hospitality looks like. Now, it's really interesting. Growing up, parents tell kids, don't talk to strangers. Okay, now before you think it, you're really happy that I didn't do the parenting series that we just finished. I agree that we should teach our kids how to relate to people that we do not know because the world is crazy. It's crazy people. Some of us are them, right? But, but the reality is like that, there's something true to that. Don't talk to strangers. There's truth to that. We need barriers. We need safety for our kids. And we need an awareness of their social relationships. Amen. However, I do wonder how much don't talk to strangers has caused us to actually distance ourselves from people that we don't know, that don't look like us, that don't sound like us, that don't smell like us, that don't talk like us, that don't hang out where we hang out. I wonder how much that has maybe just gotten into our nervous system a little bit too much. And we've assumed the posture. We've just been okay with, with staying arm's length away from strangers. The reality is we're all more comfortable with sameness than difference. That's true. But here's the convicting part. Jesus always moved towards difference. He always moved towards lack. He always moves towards offering hosp hospitality to strangers. So we need to kind of check that, our own posture and our thinking around that, because hospitality happens Anytime and anywhere, we position ourselves as hosts being open-handed with grace and belonging to others. From my experience, specifically as we did ministry in Montreal, which if you want to look at Quebec, it's far more post-Christian than the rest of Canada is. Whereas if you think Canada thinks the church is irrelevant, Quebec has just moved on entirely. 
But in my experience, in our family's experience over the last seven years in Quebec that we spent, the most effective evangelism happened not by us being the most convincing, but by us being the most welcoming. And I think that that's where we'll start to see effectiveness and our ability to model the gospel, but also speak about it as we start to develop the posture of hospitality. Rosaria Butterfield wrote a book called The Gospel Comes with a House Key. Anybody read that? Yeah, great. One other person. Two. The nerds in the room. I encourage you to pick that up too because she just goes through story after story after story about her transforming journey and how she came to Christ, but also how they've modeled this in their home. And here's what she says to summarize what she talks about as radically ordinary hospitality. Watch. Our post-Christian neighbors need to hear and see and taste and feel authentic Christianity hospitality spreading from every Christian home that includes neighbors in prayer, food, friendship, childcare, dog walking, and all the daily matters upon which friendships are built. She sums up and she says, practicing radically ordinary hospitality is your street cred to your post-Christian neighbors. I love that. I love that. Some of us really care about our street cred or our drip, or whatever. Yeah, only four of you, okay. <laughs> but, but, but if hospitality is the street credibility for the presentation of the gospel, then we need to recenter and think about how to assume the posture of host as we go about our daily life, as we go about our life, wherever we find ourselves week to week. That's what this looks like. That's what biblical hospitality looks like. So don't hear what I'm not saying. Effective evangelism in a post-Christian culture doesn't mean we stop inviting people to things, and it doesn't mean we stop talking about the gospel. We'll get there in two weeks. But what it does mean is I think it means that we start to rethink where we invite people first. Are you with me on that? That we start to think about what does it look like to invite people first, not maybe to church events, but we invite them to our porches and to our decks and to our sofas and to our dinner tables, and just into our lives. What does that look like? What kind of doors could that open up for us to actually understand the questions that people in our lives are asking and then respond with the hope of the gospel to those questions? And just as an aside, with some of the social pressures we're feeling to remove Christian values and the Christian message from public discourse... I don't know if you've felt that. We're feeling it. But with some of the pressures that we're feeling to remove the Christian message from our public square, guess where we're going to find one of the safest places for free speech about the hope of the gospel? On our couches, at our dinner tables, on our porches, at the park with friends. So we've got to start thinking about this. We've got to recenter fire pits. Amen? Just like, we all just need fire pits where we just do ministry around fire pit. Hospitality means having a fire pit. If you remember anything, just remember that. Okay, practically two things and then we're, we're done. Practically, as we start to think about this over the next few weeks, number one, think about how you can start to practice. Think about how you can start to practice hospitality. Notice that there was so much grace for us 
about hospitality. It was like, seek to show it. It's like, just start. Just start trying to practice it, right? Just start to seek to show it. Start practicing hospitality. Start somewhere. Start anywhere you are, whether it's your workplace or in your neighborhood or your teams that you're on or your schools, whatever it is, just start somewhere. Start to think about who are the strangers? Who in this space feels outside? And how can I assume the role of host and bring them in? Bring them into my life, bring them into relationship, bring them into friendship. What does that look like? Some of us might want to start right here. I mean, we have a gorgeous welcome team, right, who have all their teeth and they smile at you, right? We've got a community care team who literally, the lifeblood of that is welcoming and hospitality and care for our neighbors. Maybe we need to start there. Maybe it's in our own life groups, or if we're not in a life group, we lean into one and start to practice hospitality in community with other brothers and sisters. But start thinking about how to practice this. Like this week, how are you going to begin to think about an awareness of hospitality and practice it? And then secondly, think about how you will prepare for this. I did two Ps, practice and prepare. That's pretty good. We are a Baptist church after all. Think about how you will prepare for this. Hospitality does not happen accidentally because our lives are not built for it. It's not. Our lives are built to rush through our week and just try to survive and get things done and hurry and hustle. And if we're parents, keep our kids alive in the process. Like that's what our lives are built for. We need to start to think intentionally about how do we build margin in our life for hospitality. Are you with me on that? How can we actually think about preparing to extend hospitality? I don't know what it looks like for you. But think time. How do you have a time, a margin of time that you could show hospitality? Just free time. Just lingering space. Or financially. How can we live below our means, just slightly below our means, so that we have the means to extend hospitality to those in need? What does that look like? Start to think about how to prepare for this. Also, let me speak to some of you who might be feeling like a weight or a guilt in this. Know your season of life. Some of us are in a season of life where we need to be a guest. We need to experience hospitality right now. And Jesus is so adamant about the church being the first to love one another that we would act as hosts and guests together in community to care for one another, to bring outsiders in. So know your season. Maybe some of you are not in a season where hospitality, especially radical hospitality, is an option. But where can you get started? I'm convinced, Springville, that one of the most profound impacts that we can have in our culture today is by committing to and practicing hospitality. And our evangelism will be changed forever because of that. Our local mission will be changed forever because of that. As we go out everywhere we find ourselves and seek to extend welcome to strangers wherever we find ourselves. So here's what this means. It means taking seriously Jesus' words in Matthew 25, which are so convicting and yet so compelling at the same time, where he tells this parable about the future final judgment where he's going to come back and he's going to look at everybody. And he tells this parable. 
And he says, for when I was hungry, you gave me food. I was thirsty and you gave me a drink and I was a stranger and you welcomed me. And those that belong to him actually respond in this parable. And they say, when did we do that though? Like, I, didn't, I don't remember doing that to you, Jesus. I don't remember like welcoming you as a stranger. I don't remember feeding you, caring for you, loving you. And here's what he says in verse 40 of Matthew 25. The king will answer, truly I say to you, as you did to one of the least of these, my brothers and sisters, you did it to me. That's the call. That we would go out and not only embody the hospitality that God has shown us, but that we would go out because it's an expression of that same generosity. And Jesus expects it of us and commands it of us, but also provides the means for us to do so. Let me pray for us to that end. Good God, you are our provider. You are not tight-fisted or stingy with your love, your grace, your forgiveness. And maybe some of us here today, that's what we need to hear. That you're not just waiting for a moment to, to strike us down because of disobedience or wandering, but that you are calling and inviting, just like we sang this morning, for us to come to the altar, to just come and recognize that we are outsiders, that we're wanderers, who need your goodness and your grace. And for some of us, today we, we, we wanna leave here just assured of the grace that we've received and the hospitality that you have offered us, Father. We wanna go out and embody that to a world of strangers, to those who are outside, to those who are lonely, and lost because Jesus, you came to seek and save the lost. So we offer you the crumbs that we do have and ask that you would make meals of them. I ask that we would start somewhere, anywhere, by prioritizing this, that you would give us an awareness and open our eyes to those who feel like strangers so that we can call them into belonging to you and experience the goodness of your grace. We ask all of these things in the only name that matters. In Jesus' name, amen.